You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. What a blessing and a privilege it is to be here with you this morning. As Lori Lynn said, this is up my home church and I uh, just love being here at Mapleview. And uh, it's not often I actually get to be here on a Sunday because most Sundays I'm in other churches. My wife, Carla, is on staff here and part of the uh, pastoral staff here and leads worship here. She's actually away today. She's out in Calgary uh, visiting my son who's in university. And I'm like, babe, you picked the day that I'm here preaching to be the day that you're away. I don't know how if I need to read any, into that in any way. But uh, no, it's so good uh, to be with you and, and uh, praying for Pastor Jay and Jody as they're on sabbatical and just uh, excited that the Lord's going to be pouring into their lives in a special way and, and looking forward to their return here to uh, Mapleview soon as well. Uh, as Lori Lynn said, we're part of the Pentecostal. Just so you know, uh, Mapleview is part of a bigger family. And so uh, it's just not a uh, church independently on its own. It's autonomous, but, it, but we're part of a bigger family. And so uh, a cooperative fellowship, we call it. We're not a denomination, but we're a cooperative fellowship on mission together called the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. So across Canada, there's some 1,200 churches uh, within the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Uh, three quarters of a million uh, people, uh, or just under that, are, uh, are worshiping uh, in Pentecostal churches on Sundays all across Canada. Our churches are from very small, little 50-person churches all the way to 5,000-person churches and bigger uh, across Canada. And so it's kind of this cool fellowship that we're a part of. And across Canada, uh, there's uh, 1,200 or so churches, and, and then we're divided into eight different districts across Canada. So uh, Maple View's in the Western Ontario District, where we have about 360 churches and, and kind of cool things going on. It's uh, my privilege and my honor. I get to be the pastor of the pastors, so to speak. And so we have about 1,158 credential holders in uh, Western Ontario District that I get the awesome privilege to serve. So as I said, Lori Lynn is my boss, and I'm here to serve her and the pastoral team uh, here at Mapleview. We're on mission together. And we have lots of different styles of churches. We're culturally very diverse. Every Sunday, I'm in different environments. A couple Sundays ago, I was in a Filipino church, and that was a lot of fun. And then uh, Ganyan Church the week before that, and, and uh, um, a Southeast Asian church the week before that. So just cool environments that I get to be a part of and, and, and different uh, places that I, be, I get to minister. Some of our churches our First Nations churches, I, I always ask that people be praying for our First Nations community and, and lots of challenge, lots of, uh, lots of, we need Jesus to do some miracles in our First Nations communities. So we have 17 churches that are, that are fly-in only churches, if you will, that you can't get road access, that you have to get in by airplane or ice road in the wintertime uh, to get into those. Uh, we've been uh, really on board with seeing new churches multiply. The world would say that the church is in decline in Canada, which there is segments of that, but I want to tell you, it's moving forward. It's not, the, it's not the, the narrative that I see every week. And, and I'm in different congregations where God's just doing incredible things, where things are moving forward. We've seen 50 new churches get started in the last five and a half years in our district. And, and God's doing incredible, incredible things. We need to celebrate that. Yeah, that's good. 
As I mentioned, our uh, First Nations communities be praying for those. And there's some immense challenges. A couple weeks ago, I was in a little community called Cat Lake, Ontario. And so a uh, fly-in community. Or, well, I guess I could have taken ice roads, but it would have taken 14 hours on the ice road uh, to get in there. So took a little airplane into this community. And, and just a, a beautiful, like, beautiful pastor and his wife. They're just, they're, they're, they're just going for it and doing incredible things. Uh, Jonathan, Katie, Larsh, and, and they operate a, 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 a school, they operate a church, they operate a food bank. They're just amazing folks. And I go into this little church and no running water in the church. Now get this for a second, like minus 45 degrees out. And so he's like, oh, the outhouse, we've put like this nice uh, foam toilet seat on it now so you don't stick to it anymore in the cold. I was like, great. Challenges. Immense challenges in some of our communities. Uh, I was in uh, Winneman Lake on this trip, and, and that's a church that you guys at Maple View uh, are so generous in supporting. And, and I love that. So just so you know, like your, your tithes and offerings actually go to make a difference in bigger than just this house. And, and so this church has been instrumental in supporting and pouring into uh, Winneman Lake Church. And, and I was in there, and I was reminded, actually, I was uh, a couple years ago that I was there, a year and a half ago, and I went in in the summer. And so it was a fly-in community, and they've just tried to start to build this road in. There's a couple bridges that are floating that you go across lakes. It's a little bit of a weird experience, and, 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 and it's a bush road. And so from Pickle Lake, it's a nine-hour bush road experience uh, through, and, and it's hardly considered a road. In fact, you're not insured on the road, and, and I took a rental vehicle in, which was probably smart. Don't buy a used rental vehicle, just saying. And I filled my vehicle all full of supplies and groceries for, for the church and the pastor and the community. And I'm driving in. It's just rough as could be. Like, like get your fillings loose kind of rough on the road. And, and as I get in, the, it, I see in the distance kind of these glowing trees, you know. And there's a forest fire in the distance. And as we get in there and I'm with the pastor and working with the church leadership. And, and, and 3 o'clock in the morning they came to me and they said, Jay, um, there's a problem. The forest fire, the winds have shifted, and it's time you got to get out now. And I'm like, okay. Nine hours on a bush road through. I'm like, am I going into the forest fire or out of the forest fire? And leaving. And I, I remember seeing the sunrise that morning. It's, it's incredible as the, the, the trees kind of were, were a glow, you know, in the distance and all the smoke. And it actually changed the, the color of the sun in a weird, if you've ever experienced a, a, a forest fire like that, it literally makes the sun this kind of orangey pink color as it comes up in the morning. It's incredible the power when there's a tree on fire, like what it does. Made me think of actually what I want to preach about today. And as Pastor Jay had talked, he's like, preach on fire. <laughs> and I want to bring us to, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4. And we read this story that's a super well-known story in Scripture. If you've watched the Disney movie uh, Prince of Egypt, you'll be familiar with this story. It's, it's the story of the Exodus and story of Moses. And Moses' life is, is marked by an incredible, incredible moments of, uh, of God. And, and so he, he was a Hebrew uh, Israelite guy, and, and he grew up in Egyptian territory. And at this time and stage in, in history, the Egyptians have an have a awful, difficult rule over the Israelites. 
In fact, they've enslaved them and for generation on generation on generation, all they've known is enslavement, uh, torturous work to build their cities and, and they're hard at work. And, and it actually says, scripture says that God uh, said that the people had become so bitter with the work and the hardship of life. Isn't that a, like a pretty heavy statement? Bitter with that. And the Egyptians, the, the abuse kept going on and, and they got to a spot where, where there was a message like, like God's gonna bring somebody up. And so, so the king Pharaoh at the time, the, the leader of the Egyptians said, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pr- perform a genocide and get rid of all the young boys so that there won't be a leader that can come out of them. Like I'm gonna eliminate a generation. And so in ruthless, awful, uh, just torturous, horrible ways, he, he began to do just that. And, and a genocide across all of the young males in, in society. But yet God spared this in just this kind of unique moment. His mom sent him in a basket out into the water when she saw Pharaoh's daughter uh, there by the riverside. And as she sends this basket out and young baby in the basket, like talk about, um, think about it for moms for a second in that mode. And, but she knew his life was at stake otherwise. And, and God in his, his incredible providence uh, chose to, to save this Moses. And, and Moses actually grew up in, in Pharaoh's household. Like how crazy is that? And he grew up in, in, in this torturous government and, and, and as a young kid wouldn't have recognized, but as he became of age, began to, there, there, there was issues like, whoa, I'm seeing my people be abused. And one day as he was out for a walk, he saw one of the overlords, the Egyptians, just beating a, a, a Hebrew person and he, the injustice rose up and he couldn't handle it anymore and, and in an unwise way uh, took it into his own hands and and actually struck down and killed this Egyptian. Panic set in. He didn't know what to do, so he buried the body and tried to think that he could go on, but the whisper campaign started and people began to know, and he, he was fearful for his life, and so he, 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 he left and he fled. And we pick up the story. He, he fled to, to Midian and, and, and there in a kind of a neat way as he protected some ladies, uh, God brought him in. And, and, and so there he has this father-in-law, Jethro. He'd saved his daughter. And so therefore, his, this man had given him his daughter's hand in marriage. And, and we fast forward the story 40 years. Like 40 years and this is where we pick up the story today. Here he is. And it says he's, he's on the far side of the desert, out in Horeb. And, and that word in Hebrew just means a desolate place. Like he is in the most desolate place. It says he's on the edge of the desert. In other words, he's in the middle of middle of nowhere. And he's tending some sheep and he's going about his mundane kind of life. 40 years he's been watching these sheep. 40 years he's been out there in the desert. And it says, the angel of the Lord, in verse 2, it says, appeared to him within a bush. Now, I think it was a lot bigger bush than this. And my guess is it was a lot bigger fire than this. But for insurance reasons, this is our forest fire today. And here the Lord speaks uh, to, to Moses. 40 years Moses has been running, 40 years. 
And the Lord speaks to him, and, and, and Moses recognizes, whoa, something supernatural. Like, there's a moment here. And, and in the most mundane place, the place you would least expect, in Horeb, desolate place, he recognizes something, and it says that he, he pauses and he goes over to see God's up to something here. And as he goes over to see what God is doing, as he, as he, as he goes to kind of check in and see what, what, what this is, the Lord speaks to him and says, Moses, Moses. And he says, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. I think this is kind of cool. In the most mundane place, the Lord says, I've actually turned something mundane. I've turned the desolate place into a holy spot. I think God can take the most, most unsanctified place, and when his presence comes, it changes everything. And here Moses takes off his shoes in reverence before God, and God begins to speak to him, and, and God challenges him that, Moses, you have a, a destiny, a purpose over your life, and, and Moses has all the buts. You ever have the buts to God? Well, God, I, I do that, but... Oh, God, I can't. Like, you know my past, God. Like, I, I killed a person. Like, this is a significant deal. God, I can't do that. God, I, I'm slow of speech, and I'm not eloquent in my communication. God, I could never be a mouthpiece for you. God, I could never speak on your behalf. God, I, I have no authority. No one's going to listen to me. I'm just a Hebrew guy, and, and like the Egyptians are rulers, and God, there's no chance. And he speaks to all the excuses and he just rhymes off. And this is God speaking. Like, this is a moment. And God finally says, I'm the I am. In other words, I'm the beginning and the end. I am the almighty God. Moses, trust in me. And you maybe know the history of God. Moses led the people, a million people, out of slavery and bondage as he finally said yes to God's call over his life. What is God calling of you today? And maybe today you've been in a mundane kind of place. Maybe you're in, you know, the Horeb place, the, the out in the middle of Midian and just in the middle of a desert kind of wasteland in your life. And God would want to get your attention today. God would want to speak something over your life. Second Timothy 1.6 says this, For this reason I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God which is on you through the laying on of hands. Here, this is Paul talking to young Timothy. Timothy, Timothy, don't let it go out. It's easy to get sidetracked, Timothy. Fan that into flame, that God's got something incredible over your life. Reignite the passion that God has for your life. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the day of completion. That God started something in you, and he says, listen, I'm not gonna stop it. There's gonna be more if you'll just be open to him. Galatians 5, 7 and 8 says, you're running so well. What got in the midst of it? What got in the way? What's holding you back? Some of you have started out in this Christian journey and something's got in the way. Something's happened. Just like Moses who had a moment and he got sidetracked. God says, today is the day I want to get you back. How do we reignite God's call over our life. How do we reignite the presence of God over our lives and, and, and reignite what he has for us? I want to give you three things. The first one is this. We, we need to reignite God's presence in our lives. Well, how do we do that? We can't manufacture that, but I think we can lean in. 
See here, notice what happens in this story. It says that as Moses encountered, like this was just a day, like every day for the last 40 years, he's out in the middle of nowhere, but this was a day, all of a sudden, it says that he paused what he was doing. Notice he was at work. Like he was tending sheep. He was, he was busy at work. This wasn't ideal time. It wasn't like, okay, I've gone to the temple. But this, no, it was just in the everyday mundane. And God got his attention and he paused what he was doing. And then it says he moved over and moved close. Some of you, I want to challenge you to move close. If God seems far away, I want to challenge you that it hasn't been God that moved but sometimes we in our, our wandering, sometimes we've got a little bit far away from what God would have for our lives. He came over and then it was this. He was open to the supernatural. He said, there's something different here. I don't know why God chose to show up in this way. Notice that God later chooses to lead Moses by fire as well uh, on the way out in the Exodus. God just chose to use this as a method. But he was open to the supernatural. And I want to challenge you. Are you open to God like showing up and doing? Like he's God. And sometimes we have to figure everything out. And we say, oh, it doesn't fit into my box. It doesn't fit into my paradigm. And God's like, yeah, of course, I'm God. Like I'm bigger than that. What would it look like for you as we approach Easter this year to say, God, I want to be open for your presence again. Maybe you've experienced God's presence in like a real and powerful way, but, but for some reason it's, it's grown dry. For some reason it's like a desert kind of moment in your journey. And God would say, oh, I want to reignite that in you today. Oh. Wow. I don't know if you've watched like Ashbury Seminary. It's this school in the States, a seminary where God's just been moving. And it, it's such a beautiful thing to watch where there's just some students and it was just an everyday kind of chapel service and, and God poured out and for hundreds of hours, they just, they're just seeking the presence of God. And I've watched little drops all across North America of different schools where, where, where they've become passionate and God just showed up as they've leaned in, as they, they've embraced and said they're open for God's presence in their lives. And God's just done incredible things. In fact, our own Bible college this week, I was there. There's a couple students here from Mapleview. And in a chapel service where it was just the presence of God, they just, they just sought God in a new kind of way. It was so beautiful to watch. We actually had meetings after that. We had to kind of rearrange and cancel the meetings because the students were just so pushed into the presence of God. Oh, I want that for you. I want that for you. If you haven't experienced the presence of God where it, just, where it just like overwhelms you, I challenge you, lean in and say, God, I want to be open for you to move in my life. I know there's been times in my season where I've, I've been dry, where it's like, I remember a few years ago, I was in a meeting in Ottawa and it was just a, it was just a, dry, it was, it was a horrible season, you know? And I remember going for a walk and just by myself and just, feeling the presence of God like just, just in a like in a take your shoes off kind of way. Hmm. I remember just the whole night took, it was two o'clock in the morning and just crying out to God. And him meeting me in a, just a powerful way that changed my heart. Oh, would you know the presence of God? 
you remember David who'd got messed up and, and in Psalm 51, he says, Lord, create in me a, a pure heart. God, renew a steadfast spirit in me. Don't cast me away from your presence. God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Would you know the presence of God today? Today, God wants to reignite that in you. Number two is God wants to reignite confidence in you. Here's Moses and he's got all the excuses in the world. Like, God has just shown up, but then it's amazing how the enemy works on us just to, like, steal our confidence and, 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 and take us away from God's best for our lives. And here's Moses, and, and God's moving, and, and Moses' response is like, oh, yeah, okay, God, but. And he has all of these reasons why he can't be moved. It's, uh, God, I, my past, like, God, I, I, I did awful things. God's saying, you don't think I'm bigger than the awful things of your past? See, the past for some of you has become an anchor holding you back. Meanwhile, your past is to be a rudder steering you in the future. Don't let your past control your future. God redeems your past and actually uses it for great things. Moses says, I have no ability. Verse 3, verse 11, he's like, God, I can't do this. Like, I, I do not have the skills to do this. And God's like... I'm God. I've formed you. I've made you. I think I know what you have the ability to do. He says, I have no message. Verse 13, he's like, well, what am I going to say? I, I don't know what I'm going to say. And then he says, I have no authority. I'm just a Hebrew guy, and, and the Egyptians are in control. Like, God, I have no power here. I have no eloquence. He's like, I stutter. How can I ever be used? And God's like, do you not think I created you? You know, as a kid, I don't know how many of you have ever, uh, in public school, elementary school, had to do speeches in class. Do you ever, anyone do the speeches? So uh, when I was a kid, it was, you had to write on cue cards. I don't know if they still do it like this. And, and you had to get up and pick a topic. And you had to get in front of your class. And for three to five minutes, you know, you had to say this little speech, stand in front of your class. And hi, teachers and fellow students. And I'm going to speak on, I remember I talked on snowmobiles one time. It was three to five minutes, but for me, it was like months of torture. I would think about that moment. I hated, nothing I hated more than public speaking. I hated that moment. I would, I would, I would, I would dread it. And literally three to five minutes would occupy my, my headspace for months and months and months. And I would just get so nervous. I'd actually get physically sick. Like I would, I'd be that nervous about that three to five minutes in front of like 25 classmates that I knew like super well. But I just, oh, I hated it so much. And I remember when feeling called to the ministry, it was like, God, don't you know that like, that's the worst thing ever. And usually pastors have to talk in front of people. Lord, I, I could never do that. And I remember wrestling with the Lord, like, like this was my worst fear. And it's like, God, you want to exploit like the worst fear I have and the worst weakness I have? God, seriously? And I remember God speaking, do you not think I made you, Jason? I'll be honest with you, I still get nervous every single time I go to speak. I still have to wrestle in my brain. I still have to work through like, okay, I can do this. But it's a reminder every time that it's not in my strength, but it's in God's strength. 
And see, this is the beauty of what God does. He says, I use in your weakness. That's when I become strong. How cool is that? I want to tell you today, some of you have believed a lie over your life. And you've let the butts get in the way of the things God wants to do over your life and over your, your journey and your destiny. Just like Moses, 40 stinking years, 40 years, he, he, he believed a lie that he couldn't be used. 40 years, he'd let their confidence in, and it just like pulled away and, and time after time. And 40 years, I want to tell you, it's something that never goes away. Like it's a continual battle in your life. I know just a few months ago, I was in a meeting and some leaders that were powerful people and, and I was in this meeting and I'd been invited to the meeting, but I was like, I don't belong here. And I remember it was kind of like this networking thing at the beginning and I was, I was in there and I just, I went against the wall and I was like looking at all these people in the meeting. I'm like, I do not belong here. Like one thing's not like the other. And, and I had this wrestling match and I actually decided I just confidence issues and I decided I'm gonna leave and I was walking out of the building and and as I got to the door and once I left the door there was a security thing and so as soon as I'd left I was I was out you know and I, I was actually at the door and God spoke to me in that hallway and he said Jason I have called you to be here and I remember there's this confidence battle and I said, Lord, I'm just this pastor. I don't belong in a room full of these leaders. I remember walking back into that room. And I said, God, like, I can't do that. The first person I saw as I walked back into the room, Hazel McCallion, you know, she's, former, she's gone to be with the Lord, I believe. And she says, hi, I'm Hazel. And I knew who she was. And I'm like, yeah, I'm Jason. I'm a pastor. She's like, you're a pastor? Oh, wow. Tell me about where you pastor. I said, I'm with the Pentecostal. Oh, yeah, I love the PAOs. I know that church, Portico. That's one of our churches. Let me introduce you to a bunch of people. And she just started. And then goes, and it's like, confidence. Here's Moses who led the people out of the, into the prompt, like, wow. He's like, Lord, I can't do it. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe. The enemy would always try and sidetrack you with your past. He'd always try and sidetrack you with, you're not good enough. And I want to tell you that God speaks differently over your life. Refire, reignite the presence of God. Reignite your confidence in him. And then finally, Today, reignite the dream God has over your life. I want to tell you, folks, God has a purpose. Here's, here's Moses, 40 years. He's like, I, I, I haven't been living out that call. I have, I have 40 years. I've been squandering it. And God says, hey, I redeem all of that. I've met so many people and they say to me, well, I, I maybe had a call over my life, but but life has happened and it took some side turns and it's gone a little bit of direction than what I wanted and God, I, I can't be used anymore. And God say, no, 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 no. 
Romans eleven twenty nine says, God never changes his mind when he comes to his gifts or when he calls someone. Another translation put his call is without repentance. In other words, he doesn't take it back even if we've messed up, even if we've gone sideways on things. God has a dream, a God-given dream over your life. Some of you in this house, God's spoken things over your life and you need to be reminded of them. Maybe there's been something that's been there, but life has taken turns and and taking you in different directions, and I want to remind you. He's still got a plan. Last year, I had speaking, and I ended up talking to this guy after the service, and he he was telling me a story. He said, yeah, I felt like God's calling me. I I felt as a teenager like God was had a plan and a purpose for my life, and he said, I made some bad decisions, and I got my girlfriend pregnant, and, and it took me in a different direction, and then things like, you know, had cascaded and gone in, in, in multiple bad directions. One bad decision led to many bad decisions, and, and he said, you know, I just, I've been living out my life, and he said, I don't, I, could God still use me? I said, sure, he could. Long story short, we ended up having more conversation. He came in and he filled out a credential application. And he's like, do you think like God 40 years later could use me? Yeah, I can. He got credentials with us and I sent him into the church to preach. It was a small church, just like he called me at the end of like coming home from the service and tears, you know, and, and he's like, it was so amazing. He's like, I'm in my sweet spot, finally. He said, after 40 years or 45 years for him. Hmm. God wants to reignite in your life his presence in a new way. A courageousness to go after it and a call over your life. Last Sunday, I was preaching in Woodstock, Ontario, and I came home, and, and Carla told me she was doing something, but I completely forgot, and I came into the house, and she wasn't in, inside, I, so I went in, um, into our bedroom to unpack some of my stuff, and, and I opened up the window to the backyard, and I saw smoke coming up. I was like all alarmed, and I was like, uh-oh, and I get looking, and, and then I discovered that Carla was back there with Tony and, and, and Chase and, and Carter, and, and, they, and they were filming uh, a video for Easter, and, and so there's a fire in my backyard, and I was like, oh, so I went walking back, and, and the fire was kind of, they were freezing to death, they were doing this video, and trying to get everything set, and, and they were super cold, and then, then Tony, he gets this, like, piece of wood, and he's, he's down there, and he's trying to, like, whew, you know, like, put an air, like, wind to the fire, you know what I mean, and all of a sudden, this fire that was, like, just about to go out, just, like, whew, comes back into full flame. And they were warming themselves up. And I was worried Carter was going to burn his boots off as he was sitting right there at the edge. And some of you, it's like that fire has like these embers have almost gone out. But I want to tell you today, God, just with the wind of his spirit, can just and blow on the things of your life and just bring it into such a beautiful Are you ready for what God could do today? Can we pray? Mighty God, we just come before you this day.
God, I ask that, um, Lord, each person in this place, Lord, whatever they're going through, Lord, some of them that maybe they've never known your presence and today might be the first day. Maybe they have in their life, but something's gone a little sideways and they've found themselves in Horeb, Lord, just in a desolate place and a dry place in their life. And, and, and maybe they've made some bad decisions and brought them there and they've questioned whether they can be used again. God, today, would you speak to each and every heart in life? Would you remind them of your purposes? Would you remind them, Holy Spirit, today, God, that you want to set them afire again? In your name we pray. Amen. Just as you go today, I always give a little bit of homework. It's the end of March break. Sorry. But here's what I'm going to ask of you. Just as you go, there's some little matches. Kind of weird looking matches. It was a little harder to find than I thought. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just for seven days, and then there'll be a great preacher next Sunday, and you can move on. But for the next seven days, would you do this? Just put this match somewhere and say, God, would you reignite something inside of me? If things have got a little desolate in your life, if things have got a little dry, God, reignite maybe some dreams that you put into me. Maybe as a, maybe as a kid, as a teenager, God, would you reignite those things in me. Just see what God will do. You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast. 